Okay, what we're going to learn today is the parasha of Hashavat Aveda. Kind of a, a regular idea. We all know, you know, you go into the Makolet and some ten-year-old uh, kid put up a sign, Matsati 8, Na Levakesh Alpi Simanim. That's something very common in Israel. All the kids know that you put up a sign if you find something and you have to, the person who owned it has to claim it, but he has to describe the object so that you think that he's telling, telling the truth. So actually, Hashavat Beda, I think it's a mitzvah that we teach children to do very well. The Torah mentions Hashavat Aveda in a kind of confusing context in our parasha. And if you look at the psukim, Loter et shor achicha, o et seyo nidachim. Shor is an animal, right? In those days, people had animals. Like today, you might lose your car someplace. In those days, they lost their animals. Shor, ose, a big animal, a little animal. Nidachim. Nidachim, Nidach, uh, goes off. It goes off someplace. It wanders. The shore, the ox, or the sheep, they wander off someplace. Vehit alamta mayhem. Now, if you just remember that this is Hebrew, and you try to explain it to yourself, it sounds like the Pasuk is saying, and you should ignore them. But the Pasuk should, could also be saying, could you ignore them? Alright, you know, you know, this idea of uh, punctuation is a little weak in the Torah. Uh, whatever that means. Hitalamta, ne'elam, right, is hidden. Hitalamta, you'll make yourself hidden from them. Which I guess means something like, you see this shore wandering around. And you know that if you grabbed onto it, you might be able to take it back to the owner. But of course, there are concomitant responsibilities, you know, once you take the shore. So you can't sort of like, you can't park it. You have to get it back to the owner. This might take time. And uh, who wants to waste time? So, that's what the words say. We'll see how Rashi explains it in a minute. Hashev Tishivem Lachicha. Hashev Tishivem is a regular kind of construction that we find in the Chumash, that in the Tanakh, which in Hebrew, in modern Hebrew, is called Lashon Nofel Alashon. Lashon Nofel Alashon means um, you use two words instead of one. When you say Lashon Nofel Alashon, it sounds classy. When you say two words instead of one, it sounds like you didn't go to third grade. Right? Uh, uh, so, Lashon nofel alashon. But what is Lashon nofel alashon? Does it mean anything? Lashon nofel alashon. So, uh, the kind of the common, um, uh, the commonly used um, idea is that Lashon nofel alashon is a kind of emphasis. Right? Emphasis. Now, emphasis in semantics is a word that is synonymous with I don't know. 
Right, so just remember that everybody ever tells you that something is there for emphasis, so it's, you just think that it's exactly the same as saying, I don't know. It's like the Torah says sometimes, Mot Tamut. Mot Tamut, right? So you could either die, or you could die with emphasis, right? <laughs> what sort of emphasis is there? Sakol Yisakel. In, uh, in Shemot, Sakol Yisakel, O Yaro Yiyare. What does Sakol Yisakel mean? You'll be stoned with emphasis. As opposed to Sakol, which is just plain being stoned. Right? So, I mean, I don't mean stoned uh, in, with drugs. I mean stoned with stones. Right? They throw, so, emphasis, emphasis is a word Ever is a word which most of the time, in spite of the fact that probably when we were children, our teachers used that word. It's a word that expresses ignorance instead of, it's just that you figure if the Torah says it twice, it must mean it more than once. Right? But, but all of these things, what? Verily. Verily, kill him verily. You know, which uh, definitely was uh, like it made you frightened, a lot more frightened of just being killed. So then, then the pasuk, so the pasuk says, "Hashem tishivem laachicha." It's hard to know what that means. You know, I know what "Hashem laachicha" means, but what is "Hashem tishivem"? Why does it say that? And then "laachicha." Now, the word "achicha." has also a variety of possible meanings. When you say, uh, you know, when, uh, when somebody says to his friend, oh, achi, or like in the shuk, you go to buy tomatoes, and the guy selling tomatoes says to me, achi, kachadelo, or kachneikilo, he doesn't mean that I'm his brother. He doesn't even mean I'm his friend. All he means is, hey, Right, so that the word achicha has a wide variety of meanings. A wide variety of meanings. So we have all these words in this pasuk, which describe a case. So let's read it this way. Do not come upon a situation and then ignore it. You know, make believe you don't see it. Make believe you don't see the Aveda. Don't be like that. Hashev Tishivem Lachicha. Hashev Tishivem means verily give it back, that's what we said. And Lachicha. Who's Lachicha? Lachicha means anyone. So what's the reason to say that the person could have said Hashev Tishivem? What do you mean Lachicha? You mean that there's a special category called Achicha as opposed to the people who are not Achicha? I mean, assuming we're talking about Jews. Well, why do you have to emphasize that? So Rashi says, Hitalamta. Kovesh ayin ki'ilu eino ro'ehu. So you know that in the Torah, especially in Parshiot, in the book of Vayikra, the Pasuk, the, the Torah says, the Torah says very often, Viareta me'elokecha. Viareta me'elokecha. You should fear God. Mipnei seifa takum v'hatarta what does the Pasuk say? What? Vadarta Pene Zakain 
ויראית מאלוקיך אני השם. בני זה ותקום והדרת פני זקן ויראית מאלוקיך. What is ויראית מאלוקיך? Why does that passage say ויראית מאלוקיך? So everybody knows that uh, you're sitting on a bus. These kind of buses. Eged, you're sitting on an Eged bus, right? And you're looking feverishly at your Mishnayas. So you look down. And then uh, an old person gets on, like 140 years old. But you don't, you're not going to look up. Because if you looked up, you might have to get up and give him your seat, right? So you don't look up. So even though the Torah says, the Torah knows that not everybody is into it. So at the end, the Pasuk says, On these kind of mitzvahs, God is watching. And you have, to, you have to do it the way the Torah says. So here Rashi says, that this is the beginning of the prohibition. You see the shore walking around? You see the shore walking around untethered or unfettered or whatever on the shore is. Right? It's walking around and you know that somebody lost the shore. You know that somebody wants the shore. And you say, look, you know, if I take the shore, it's going to take me hours. I'm going to take it to the police and I'll have to sign and I'll have to wait and then I'll be accused of stealing the shore. I don't want to do it. I don't want to. So that's what Vitalabda means according to Rashi. This is a special iser to ignore the obligation of Hashavat Aveda. Kovesh ayin kilo eino ra'eyu. Lo tir'eh, as the Pesach says, lo tir'eh vitalabda, lo tir'eh oto shekitalein mimenu zepshuto. Right? The simple interpretation of the Pesach is that you should not ignore your obligation. What's your obligation? To take care of the Avedah. Rabotenu amru pamim shatamit aleim. Rabotenu, the Chachamim, gave this further explanation as we'll see in the other Rishonim. That's what Rashi says. And it was Rashi, Rashi wants to make sure that we understand that these words are not simply superfluous. And of course if the Torah says there's an obligation, we should accept the obligation. Nevertheless, what the Torah means to say, what the Torah means to say is, look, there's a variety of things that are written in this Pasuk, according to Rashi. One of them is, it's an obligation. But there are other things, if you learn the Gemara and Baba Metziah that explains this Pasuk, then you'll know all these things, and they will explain in the Ramban, as we shall soon see. That's the first Pasuk, more or less. Again, Achicha. You got the shore in hand and you're screaming, uh, who owns the shore? And nobody comes forth. So then all of a sudden, you're responsible. You're responsible for this dumb shore that is, that's walking around and not doing anything positive. So you grab onto it and you say, I'll find the master. And you look and you look and you look. At the end of the day, you don't find him. So what does the Torah say? Well, now you're in loco parentis of the shore. You can't just let the shore wander around again. You've got to take the shore home, bring it into your house. That shore is a big, is a big animal. It takes up a lot of room. 
Now you got to feed it, and you got to take care of it. You got to bring the vet, and you've got to got to check on the welfare of the shore from time to time. This is really a, an expansive kind of obligation. But the pasuk says, "Lo karova chicha ilecha, velo yedato, vasafto el toch beitecha vayayimcha." So what do you do? You keep the shore. And we all know that if we learn the Gemara, we know that this is, a, this is problematic and it's complicated. How often do you have to feed him? How long do you have to feed him? How many years do you have to feed him? But, but suddenly you become indebted to the ox. Right? Instead of the owner of the ox being indebted to you, the ox owns your time. Owns your time, owns your food. I mean, this Aveda business... Is, is something you never thought of. When I took the shower in the street and I tried to bring it back to its master, I didn't realize that this was the beginning of a lifelong arrangement. So this is what, this is what the Pasuk, uh, uh, say. This is what the Pasuk says. <coughs> Alright, so Rashi, Rashi brings in certain technical matters. Let's look at the third Pasuk. That's a little bit less of a kind of respectable animal than a shore. I mean, a shore is a, is a high class animal. A chamor, I mean, what do chamorim do? They just make noise and they schlep things around. Simla is an inanimate object. Right, it's, there's animals, animals have to be cared for, but the simla also has to be cared for a little bit. I mean, you can't just leave the simla any place. You have to tend to the dry cleaner, and you have to make sure it's good. When the guy shows up, he wants to get a clean simla. He doesn't want to get a simla that got dirty in your house. So even if you never send your own stuff to the dry cleaner, you've got to send the simla to the dry cleaner. I mean, this is really, this is really such a strange thing. So this is how many times achicha? How many times is he achicha? He's achicha in the first pasuk, right? Then he's achicha in the second pasuk, and now he's achicha in the third pasuk. Achicha. And then the Torah says, It's like the Torah says that even though the Torah is imposing upon you this tremendous obligation, it's almost open-ended, and you don't know when it's going to end. I mean, maybe the guy who owned the shore hated the shore. Maybe he just left it there on purpose. He's never going to come back. That's what the Torah says. The Torah says you can't avoid this responsibility. Rashi, lo tuchalit alem, lichbosh eincha ki'ilu eincha ro'eh oto. You can do that on the bus, learning Mishnayot. But if you bump into a shore in the middle of the road, that's it. You have a small apartment on the fourth floor. <laughs> Got to bring the shore into your apartment and take care of it. It's really, really a bit remarkable. This whole, I mean, at least if the Torah would let me steal the shore. So I was, okay, I got a shore. No, the Torah said to wait until the owner of the shore shows up and claims his animal. What do I get for this? Basically, so... 
if you look at just that we try to remember, try to remember the points that are curious about this parasha. Curious, uh, I don't mean curious, but notable. Something that we notice. So I would say two things. First, that in Pasuk 1, the words vitalamta mihem, it's not clear whether that's positive or negative. But we know that in Pasuk Gimel it says, Lo tuchal vitalem. Pasuk Gimel might be an interpretation of Pasuk Aleph. But then Pasuk Aleph turns out to be a little clumsy. At least to our, to our ears, right? It sort of looks a little clumsy. And the second thing that I want to remind you of is that the word achicha appears in every single pasuk. The word achicha appeals, appears in every one of the three psukim in our, um, in our parasha. And I would like to look at the Rabbeinu B'chayim. The Ramban explains the pasuk. Now you know that Rabbeinu B'chayim, I, I don't think we've learned Rabbeinu B'chayim often, in the course of these Sheyurim, but Rabbeinu B'chayah is a kind of commentary on the Ramban. With the Rabbeinu B'chayah, when he wrote his commentary on the Torah, he looked at the Ramban. He looked at the Ramban, and very often the Rabbeinu B'chayah says, I'm explaining the Ramban. Very often. Not always. It is not to say that he has no original comments to make, but he very much follows the order of the Ramban, except that he divides his commentary, unlike the Ramban, who just says what he wants to say, the Rabbeinu B'chayah very often divides his commentary into Pshat, Remez, Drash, and Sod. And therefore, uh, people used to, the Rabbeinu B'chayah was a very popular commentary and was printed many, many times, like more than any other commentary, I think, except for Rashi. The Rabbeinu B'chayah, but I think as a separate volume, in a separate volume, the Rabbeinu B'chayah is the most popular, is the most popular book, like it was printed the, the most times. It wasn't printed as much as Rashi, but Rashi is usually printed with the Chumash. And the Rabbeinu B'chayah is usually printed just the commentary of the Rabbeinu B'chayah. So the Rabbeinu B'chayah divided up his commentary on most psukim into Pshat, Remez, Drash, and so So every Jew could say, I'm a Pshat Jew. You just read the Pshat part in the Rabbeinu B'chayah. And if you're like a Sod Jew, so you can read the Sod part in the, in the Rabbeinu B'chayah. And for that reason, perhaps, and for others, Rabbeinu B'chayah became very, very popular. But in essence, as I say, the Rabbeinu B'chayah is a commentary on the Ramban. Right, he starts off from the Ramban and he expands upon the Ramban. So let's try to learn the Rabbeinu B'chayah and see, see how he comments on this, on our, our issue. Titzavah Torah sheniyeh zihirim ba'ashavat ha'veidala ba'alim Right, zihirim, we should take care in doing this mitzvah bringing the Aveda back to its original owners. And since the word Tefel HaShava, right, it says HaShav Tishivein, right, the, the reduplicating of the word. From that reduplication, Darshu Chazal, Afilu Me'a Pa'amim, that even if 
he, he loses it and you give it back to him and he loses it again and you give it back to him, you have to keep doing it. You can't say that this guy is a pathological loser. You have to say, here it is, take it back again. You have to keep doing it so that the Chachamim, remember we said that there's always a problem in the Torah about what Hashem Teshivei means. Like what the Lashon Nafel Alashon means. But that's only a problem until Chazal. What Chazal say that Hashem comes to teach you something, so that's what it means. It means what Chazal said, and that's what the Rabbi Mechaya points out. Afilu me'apa'amim. V'chol zeh midarchei ha'chesed v'arachamim. Now those are big words, right? Chesed and rachamim. In other words, to act chesed and to develop chesed. To act rachamim and to develop rachamim. You know, it's not the same thing, right? The the Chinuch says that what you do, the actions that you take, develop the inner feelings that you should have. You don't have to say, well, I'm not going to do chesed because I don't feel like a chesedic person. You know, besides, you know, that whole, that whole idea that a person is a chesedic person is detrimental to education. The education the, 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 is that there's a right thing to do. doesn't matter if you call it chesed or not, but there's a right thing to do. Now, that will develop in people Chesed, the 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 uh, uh, characteristic of Chesed, and once the characteristic of Chesed is developed in a person, that person will know other times to do Chesed. So even if you are a nasty, uh, uh, unsavory personality, you still have to do Hashavas Aveda, right? You can't say I'm going to wait until I become nice, right? That's not how it works. You don't give staka because you're nice, but you give staka in the hope that you will develop feelings for other people, and having developed those feelings, you'll know how to act. When the the, the issue is not necessarily Hashabat Davidao, the issue is not necessarily staka. That's Chesed Rachamin. Lilamed Shekulanu Am Echad. Because we know that the Maharal spent some time in the Tivat Staka, in the Tivot Olam, in trying to uh, explain how Staka, Staka is a mitzvah that emphasizes the commonality of Am Yisrael, that we all have something to do with each other. Right? You know, you could always you understand that we could define Am Yisrael as an aggregate of individuals who are doing the same mitzvot, more or less. Or we could say that the people who are doing the same mitzvot create an aggregate which is different than any other one in the world. Right? So there are two ways of saying it. The Maharal, the Maharal tried to explain how Tzedakah is formulates who we are. It's not that, it's not an economic plan. It's not a way of, of enabling poor people to get through the day. But it's a, a way to determine who we are as a, as a community. The Shutoh says you have to give it back whether it's an animal or it's not an animal. And he goes through all the pieces of the Psukim. 
And in the Pasuk it says, Mephain Tassel Chamorosha, who Baal Chai, Ubehimatanea. I mean, like, this all means something, right? In other words, he's noticing. He's saying, Chamor, it's an animal, but it's not a kosher animal. Mephain Tassel is Simla Tov, Avo Bishay no Chashuv Kebal Chai in the Simla. You might think, well, I mean, who cares who's going to come back to the Simla? I mean, an animal that has really value in the Shuk, but a Simla, it's like a different world today. I know today, I mean, everybody imagines that buying a donkey must be a lot cheaper than buying a sweater. But to know, uh, in those days it wasn't that way. So this is emphasis, emphasis, and emphasis, and emphasis. And these last three words in the third pasuk, So here's the Kiddush of the Rabbeinu B'chayim. Lo is is sort of in these psukim twice, right? So the second time he says, "Ein lo tuchalit aleim shelo zeshama lo tuchalit aleim." Just let me do this, so I'll be able to find it again. Ein lavino tov behashavat aveda bilvad elohu hadil bishar kol apratim ukoshar kol atola. To alot shebiad haadam lahaviham lechaviro o lahasir v'litchot misko mimenu hareu chayav bekulam. So he says this remarkable statement that even though we're talking about hashavat avida, those words lo tu chalehit alein have nothing to do with hashavat avida. It goes like this: hashavat avida developed an attitude, an attitude of concern. An attitude which creates a relationship between me and others. And once that is created, lo tuchalit means, and whenever you see that, there's a problem. Whenever you see you can help the other person. Whenever you see there's something that can be done for the other person's benefit, surely you should do it. That's lo tuchalit aleim. What? Pshat? Everything is pshat. Now here he doesn't make that distinction. Because even though I told you that very often, but that's only when he says it. Here he's just telling you the pshat. He's just telling you the pshat of the pasuk. And he says, why would the Torah tell you lo tuchalitaleim twice? First it says vitalam tamehem, then it says lo tuchalitaleim. So he says, I think that the second time he's not talking about the particular lo tuchalitaleim, but a more general kind of lo tuchalitaleim. Surely for him, this was the pshat. This was the pshat. He says, "Elohu adid b'shakol apratim shak, etc., etc." So he says, "There's a general mitzvah." You know, the Arizal said, "The Arizal said, when you get up in the morning, when you get up in the morning, the first thing you should say, even before you say, you do the tilas you die, is v'hafta l'reacha kamocha." That's what the Arizal. We say Modaani. We say Modaani the Fodecha. It doesn't have the name of of, of Hashem. And we say it when we get up, and the Arizal says, we say, you say, that's the, that sets, you know, it's Modani Lefonecha is about me, I'm thankful to God, and Mahafta Lerecha Kamocha is about what I'm supposed to do now that I got my soul back, now that I'm awake, what am I doing with myself? Mahafta Lerecha Kamocha. 
So he says also, he says also that this mitzvah that's called Hashavat Aveda is kind of on the narrow level about a particular event in somebody's life. But he says it creates an attitude. And that attitude is derivative from the Avdalarecha and and so there are mitzvot in the Torah that try to ensure that we are going to be able to fulfill the mitzvah of the hafta of the Now we're going on. We're halfway down. I'm on line ten nine. The darshul chazal v'talam demehem uchtiv lo tuchal v'talam ketzad zaken ve'nolfik v'odo v'talamta. So you see that chazal was sensitive to the word v'talamta, which does in fact mean to ignore. So who should ignore? He says, well, there are people. You know, you're too old. I mean, you're going to be fighting with an ox in the middle of the street. The guy's ninety years old. I mean, it's obviously not not for him. So he wait for a younger man. To come along. So that's what Chazal said. The old man, he doesn't have to go and fight with the shore in the street. But a younger man certainly has to do it. Right now we're on the drash, right? Up to now was pshat, I said. That's drash. That's drash. So now, so the, so the drash, the drash is that, that you can try to ignore your responsibility, but God is watching you. God is watching you about this mitzvah of HaShavat HaVidah, and that's called drash. That's called drash. And then he goes on and says, V'im taskil od b'mitzvah HaShavat HaVidah t'imtzah, Pshat, Drash, Remes. Right? That's three out of four. The fourth is Sol. Pshat, Drash, Remes. So what's the Remes? What is a Remes? I don't have time tonight to explain what a Remes is. But for the Ramban, I told you that Remes means that future, the future of Am Yisrael is hinted at in the Psukim in the Torah. It's true. I don't know what that future is until it happens. But it's hidden in the in the Torah. For the Rabbeinu Bechai, it's a little bit different. What do you think about that? Right, uh, you know, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we started with Hashavat Aveda, with bringing a, an ox into your house and feeding it, and here we are. We've gone the whole the whole way to Tchiat Hametim. I mean, it's like a, it's like a miracle. Here's Paul, this little mitzvah, which is kind of a technical thing, and we're already at Tchadamitim. So he says, Yeshua Rebbe, Tchadamitim, Shakarish Bochum, Machzir, Aveda, Lebaalav, Bacharit, Hayamim. How's that? That God will return the lost object to its owner. That means my soul to my body. Right? My soul will be returned to my body. That's what I lost. I mean, some of the body and the soul became disconnected. And God will return them to each other. Okay. So according to the, according to the Rabbeinu Bechaya, there's a pshat, and there's a remes, and there's a drash, and then there's a remes. And the remes, the pshat and the remes take us all from, 
kind of a simple exposition of the issue of Aveda, of Lahakzir Aveda, to Tchiyat Hamiti. Now I want to tell you something in Hasidus, if I may. Hasidus, usually when you say Hasidus, you mean it, it's like something you heard someplace, but it doesn't have an author. But I don't mean that. What I mean is that everybody agrees, everybody who learns Hasidus knows this. And it's attributed to the Baal Shem Tov, and it's attributed to the, you know, the Baal Shem Tov was not a person who wrote many things, at least not many things that we inherited. The Baal Shem Tov, who was the kind of the spiritual leader of Hasidut, whatever that might be, the Baal Shem Tov never wrote anything. But he said things to people. And then his Talmidim, right? Yaakov, Yosef, Polnor, others who considered themselves Talmidim of the Baal Shem Tov, wrote what he had to say. Wrote what he had to say. And in this book that I'm looking at, which is called, strangely enough, Baal Shem Tov, <laughs> which is a collection of material that's attributed to the Baal Shem Tov, arranged according to the Parshiyot HaShavua, and Tfilah. These two topics, right? Parshat HaShavua and Tfilah. Remember, even though the cover of the book says Baal Shem Tov, I can't really attest to the fact that the Baal Shem Tov said any of these things. All I know is that, even if it was said by the people who said it, and not the Baal Shem Tov, they were also worthy of paying close attention to. So here's an idea in Hasidus, which is attributed to the Baal Shem Tov. Shemati b'shem Baal Shem I heard in the name of the Baal Shem Tov the following story. I heard the following story. Somebody came to the Baal Shem Tov and he said, you know... Uh, What's his name? You know, Yankel? I saw him being the Chal Shabbos. Honey, you know, those days, to say that a Jew is Mechal Shabbos was not a small thing. It wasn't like today. In those days, he said, Yankel was Mechal Shabbos. I mean, it was impossible. So he came to the Baal Shem Tov and he said, I saw Yankel being Mechal Shabbos. So the Baal Shem Tov sat and he thought, or stood and he thought, it's not, it's not written in the book. The Baal Shem was like standing or sitting. Maybe he was in his wagon, you know. The Baal Shem spent a lot of time in his wagon, going someplace. And the, the, the donkeys always knew where he wanted to go. So the Baal Shem said, says, I think, I think I have something to do with that Avera. Get the story again. You can't, somebody came to the Baal Shem Tov and he said, Yankel, I thought I saw him being Mechal Shabbos. So the Baal Shem Tov said, I think that's me. I think he saw me. I was Mechal Shabbos. How are you Mechal Shabbos? How is the Baal Shem Tov Mechal Shabbos? He's crazy. Like Kalbach. Crazy. So, how could it be? So this is how it could be. He says, everybody knows that the Gemara compares 
a Talmud Chacham to Shabbos. Right there. Very high. A Talmud Chacham, Shabbos. So the Baal Shanta said, I once, I think, I used the Talmud Chacham for my own private purposes when I shouldn't have. And that's like being Mechalal Shabbos. Now this story is told again. In a different way. Now let's look at the different way that it's told. He says, it's inconceivable. The Baal Shem Tov says, it's not possible for a person to look at another person doing an Aveira unless he has that Aveira someplace, someplace inside of him. It doesn't happen. You see somebody who you know and who should not be doing the Aveira. And you see him doing an Aveira. So it's not just that you are looking at him, going to the Baal Shem Tov, but you must also be looking at yourself. He says, for example, for example, if you see somebody who has relations with a married woman, so probably the person who saw it also has to consider himself as, as being a Baal favorite. He says, after all, what did Chazal say? The Baal, this is the name of the Baal Shem Tov. Chazal said in the Gemara Sota, Someone's about Gaivinik. Somebody who is haughty. It's as though he did this terrible transgression of having relations with a married woman. And so, the Baal Shem Tov says, if somebody knows about that kind of transgression, it must be because he has gaiva. In, in other words, everything that happens in the world is not accidental. If you're the one who happened to see it, there must be some reason that you saw it. It can't be that you're disconnected to the event. That's, the, that's what the Baal Shem Tov says. Third rendition. This is the B'nai Yisoscha. He says, well, even when it's Sadiq, the B'nai Yisoscha says, where an absolute righteous person sees a transgression occurring, he says, Inei zevadai eno dinikret. This is not an accident. And it was what the, what the, what the uh, Baal Shem Tov is saying would maybe have a lot of uh, appeal to those of you who know about chaos theory. And about the fact that things are always related to each other. And they're never quite happening by chance. And he says, Why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu organize things such that the tzaddik should see the Aveira being done. Al kochahu sheyesh biyado gankin shemitz ma midugmatota Aveira. It must be, the B'nai Yisotzchot says, that the tzaddik also suffers from some aspect of that Aveira. As we've seen, it doesn't mean that the tzaddik does that Aveira. But it means that the tzaddik 
is unfulfilled in something which relates to that and from heaven he was offered this opportunity to look into himself and he tells the story that we started out with that the Baal Shem Tov saw somebody being Mechal Shabbos he couldn't understand why God wanted him to know that why God wanted him to see that and he says he thought to himself in what way do I have any Shayachut any relationship to this Aveira called Chilul Shabbat and he says once he heard somebody say something bad about a Talmud Chacham and he the Baal Shem Tov did not respond and since the Gemara says the Talmud Chacham is like Shabbat this was an opportunity that the Talmud Chacham had that the Baal Shem Tov had to do Tshuva so there's this theory that exists in the stories that are told about the Baal Shem Tov that when you look at something it's not outside of you and if you see something bad it's not just that you're called upon to fix it or to fix him or to fix it but you're also called upon to fix yourself that's the idea that's the idea that was bequeathed to us from the Baal Shem Tov through the various Sfarim of Hasidut. With that introduction, we'll look at what the Svat Emet says. If you turn the page, you see the Svat Emet. Svat Emet says, Lo tereshar achicha ki hashev teshivem. Yesh doman. Shekol nish. This is the Svat Emet. This is like the regular Svat Emet. Not tricky. Not the Baal Shem Tov. The Svat Emet. That, you know, everybody loves and learns. Svatavet says they're not talking about only about a shore or only about a seh but we're also talking about a chicha after all a chicha appears three times once in each of the three sukim mishiro eb chaviro chaviro that's a chicha Somebody's lost. Achicha is lost. Because there's the way, and then there's often vague, off the way. Right? He says, Yesh Lomar. Sure. He says, It seems to me, the Swatamet says, that sure doesn't only mean an ox, but there's a word in Hebrew, sure, to see. To look, Ashrenu, the Loata Bilam said, Ashren, I'll see it. I'll see it. That's a Hebrew word. That's a real Hebrew word. Right? Not an imagined Hebrew word. Yeshua, I sure, Lishon Habata, Ra'a, So if a man sees, a woman sees a bad thing, somebody doing a bad thing, so you have to fix it. You have to fix it as soon as you can. And how do you fix it? What's the Eitzah? What's the way you fix things? The way Jews fix things? Tshuva? Repentance. 
Right? We're coming to that time of the year. Maybe we came there already. Tshuva, kemoshikatu b'sfarim akadoshim, komasher o'eha adam shayach lo. Sfarim akadoshim, the Baal Shem Tov. Remember, kol masher adam shayach lo. That any time you see something going awry, you got to fix it. By fixing yourself, because it's about you, the Svat Emet says. So if you see somebody doing something wrong, you have to do tshuva. Of course, you have to also give it to do tshuva. But first, you have to do tshuva yourself. And if the Chavero, if you see somebody doing an Avera, Rahman al-Islam, and you say, Oy vey, I've got to do tshuva, the Shvat HaMed says, he'll also do tshuva. That's Achicha. That's Achicha, that the discovery of the relationship between the lost object, or the lost person, and the finder of the object, and the finder of the person, that relationship called Achicha, is tshuva. It's tshuva. Not that I force you to do tshuva. I do rubber. I do tshuva. But the tshuva that I do resonates. In that we are achim. In that we are brothers. Not like the Rabbi Mechai, of course, we can up and see it, but hashev tishivein means make him do tshuva. Get him back. Not the lost object, but the lost person. Tiklau Yisrael, All of Am Yisrael is the same. And what does that mean, that they're all the same? But obviously they're not all the same. But on certain matters, they resonate together. So if you go into a room, if a Jew goes into a room, and all year long we know about Tshuva, we learn Hilchot Tshuva, we learn Sifrei Musar, we know about it. We may not be doing it so well. But we know what it is we go into. We go into a place and we confront somebody who really does tshuva. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine Razunu Misalat or the Chavetz I mean, could you avoid joining in? Could you sort of like say, oh, it's very nice, Rabbi, but I've got to go to my dentist now. I mean, it's like, it's like inconceivable. It, it, it creates a world that you want to identify with. And that's what he says. The Svat Amen. Kiklal Yisrael heim echad. Ukshechad mikalkel tzad kedusha shebo. Nishar tzad kedusha shebo nishar beklal Yisrael. You know, even if one person is a little off, the tzad kedusha, the sanctity, remains. Kemoshe katvu zal zacha notel chelech chaberu. So again, the Sfat Emet, who was certainly a Talmud of the Baal Shem Tov in one way or the other, he explains the Psukim of Hashavat Aveda, of returning people to where they should be. And that that's a responsibility. Hashev Tishivein. And you have to build on the fact that it's Achicha. And lo tuchalit aleim because it's you we're talking about. It's you who did it. 
So that the lost object is a metaphor for the great event in life where you see that there's something wrong and you know that you can contribute to fixing it. I don't think it means that you automatically take care of the problem. But you imagine that if scoffers or doubters or deniers were met with, um, with uh, emuna and, uh, and uh, bitachon and shuva, I, I imagine, I imagine, in fact, as far as I can imagine it, that the emuna and the bitachon and the hashgacha and the tshuva would win out. Would win simply as a as a, a medium of existence. Like to exist with a muna is so much more significant than to exist without that emuna. But what we tend to do is deny our own koyach. We deny our own ability to make this change. We deny, according to Svas what the Torah says, lo It's a real responsibility. It's a real responsibility, not, not making balei tshuva, you know, as they like to say, making balei tshuva. I don't go for that. But that, that you, by dint of your personal example and who you really are, can have an effect on everybody else. So we've gone through to the, back to the Rabbeinu B'chayah. And the Rabbeinu B'chayah says we're talking about Tchias HaMesim. And Tchias HaMesim is when the soul and the body come together as they should. The Hashavah Saveda, the ultimate Hashavah Saveda of HaKadosh Bochu B'Shamayim is the Hashavah Saveda of the soul into the body. The Svas Emes says you have to wait for Tchias HaMesim. It's not a question of waiting. Not something that's going to happen. But if you understand what the Baal Shem Tov said, that everything that happens to us is important in both directions. What it is I have to do for him, and what I have to do for myself. And if I understand the Hashem Tishivim is possible, and that the Lotu Chalis Alei means that I can make an impression and have an impact, but not by... By, uh, by running around necessarily and, and doing things like that but I can make impression by example that's the greatest impression of all times and we all know, everybody knows everybody knows that you learn how to daven by looking at somebody davening you can go to a thousand shayrim about davening it doesn't make any difference I'm talking about davening and it makes a difference of knowing the halacha knowing the, I mean, that, that makes a difference but it doesn't make you into a davener what makes you into a davener, I remember Rabbi Salomit used to talk about it, what makes you into a davener is standing next to somebody who you are confident is davening. That's it. That's all there is. It's simple. So here in coming to Rosh Hashanah, it's my advice to you, find somebody who you think is davening. And stand next to them. That's all. It's as easy as pie. It's easy as pie. And then when you do that, you'll find that there are people who find you. And they come to stand next to you. When you're davening. And that's, that's how it works. That's how it works. So a person who does tshuva, a person who does tshuva, not somebody who harangues about tshuva, but a person who does tshuva, a person who really feels, you know, like the story about the Vilna Gaon, the, that, they, uh, that he has the Dubna Magid, 
yes, the, the, the Maggi, the, to give him Musa, you know, the Vilna Gon. Even let's say the stories are exaggerated. But the Vilna Gon sat and learned all day. If I say he, had it, he sat in a room and he learned. And from time to time, he had Talmudim who came and talked to him. So, like, so what was he going to do Chuva about? I mean, he was sitting in his pillar. He davened when he's supposed to daven. He did all the mitzvahs as well as you could possibly do them. What exactly could he possibly do tshuva for? So he called in the Dubna, the Dubna Maggid. And he said, look, I want you to give me Musa. I've got, I've got to do tshuva. So tell me something. Tell me, tell me what I have to do tshuva about. So the Dubna Maggid was stuck. He also didn't know what, what's he going to tell the Vilna Gon about doing tshuva. So the Dubna Maggid said, look, let's go through the year from last Rosh Hashanah. And let's count up all the minutes that you bottled. So the the, the uh, Don said, uh, on the fourth day of a Sesame I bottled for one minute. I should have been learning, and then he adds it up, but he has a whole year of bottling, and he gets to seven minutes. And in a year. To me, it doesn't seem like so many. And then he broke down and cried. Because everybody, because what gets you, what gets, what gets the other person is the achievement of tshuva, not the haranguing about tshuva. So that, and every person can participate, that's hashev tshuvay. Every person can, can participate. When you see a person working on themselves, and you see a person really striving to get, uh, 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 to be a little better than he used to be, that's very impressive. It's very influential. There's nothing as influential as that. So if you want to daven, go stand next to somebody who's davening. And if you want to do tshuva, if you want to have an effect on other people, do tshuva. That's what the Sfas ever says. And that's what's hidden in the parsha of Hashavas Aveda. I want to do... Uh, it, I, I always finish at 9 o'clock, uh, Amichai. But today I'm not finishing at 9 o'clock. I'm finishing 5 minutes to 9. Uh, because we're all uh, invited to participate in the Simcha, right? You didn't ask me to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> Amichai, who is a good friend of all of ours, each of us in different ways, of course, you know, like there's Hashavah Sabeida, there's Achicha, and there's like Amichai, fine, you know, who does things according to his own schedule. So he, uh, he decided to get engaged at the time that he has to leave the country. Not only does he have to leave the country, but the girl to whom he's engaged, she also has to leave the country. So, um, so what we're going to do is spend a few, uh, some time, and wish Amichai um, and Chaya Chaya Brocha Mazel and Brocha and and this is not like a real kind of engagement party but it, remo- it will remind us that you owe us a wedding <laughs> and since I hear the hall has already been signed on so we have no doubt that we're going to get a, uh, a wedding out of this deal. So Mazel Tov to the Chatan and to the Kala. And um, what should we do now? We're Davimar. Okay. Okay. Have a good Shabbos. We're Davimar.